This program is brought to you from the Margaret Farrow Studio. Hello and welcome to Newsmakers. I'm your host, Lisa Pugh. Gray wolves remain on the federal endangered species list, even while Wisconsin celebrates a successful recovery of the wolf population. Next week, the Natural Resources Board considers a hotly debated wolf management plan that the DNR says is a logical step toward delisting, returning control of the state's population to Wisconsin, and reinstating an annual wolf hunt. Today, we're talking with the lead author of the DNR's uh, wolf management plan, Randy Johnson, welcome. Thank you. Good morning. So for our viewers who maybe aren't as familiar uh, with this issue, why does Wisconsin need a wolf management plan? Sure, yeah. So good question to start off. Um, I mean, the, the, the simple answer is state law actually requires DNR to have a wolf management plan as well as a wolf hunt. Um, but I think, you know, beyond that, that legal requirement, I think this is just such a uh, a species that so many people care about and are passionate about for a number of different reasons. And so I think it's really important that we have kind of a roadmap laid out. What's the vision look like? What are the, what's the decision-making process look like? Uh, and that's ultimately what this plan tries to do. Next week's National uh, Resources <coughs> Board meeting is the culmination of more than two and a half mm -hmm. years of work by the DNR and you to develop this wolf management plan. Did the process take longer than what you thought? Um, I mean, kind of. Uh, there was times where we thought we would go faster than other times, but um, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's important that we just get to the end of that road. And you said it's been a winding road. It's been a very winding road, yes. Um, but I think we're 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 certainly getting to the end of that road. Um, and I think the important thing is to make sure we have a good product when we get there. And, and I do feel good about the product itself. Since you unveiled the draft plan in August, there's been continuing public comment. I know it's posted on the DNR's website. There's been ongoing consultation with the tribes. Yep. Um, there's also been, a, you've testified about the plan at a legislative hearing. And then the DNR recently held two open houses in northern Wisconsin. Has anything changed in the plan since it was unveiled in August? Sure, yeah, so we, we did make a few clarifying edits, I think like 13, um, and they're detailed in the, the green sheet package that, that goes to the Natural Resources Board um, next week. Um, but, you know, they're, they're based on feedback we heard, clarifying some word choice things, or, I mean, they range from literally misspellings to, to you know, a little bit more substantial uh, edits, but they're, they're all you know, intended to just clarify what's already in the plan. But it shouldn't be surprising to Nothing people surprising. that saw the original no. draft no. that the existing plan, the one that's on the books right now, was written in 1999. Yep. What has changed in terms of what we know about wolves that really required it to be updated now? Yeah, good question. I mean, a ton of things have changed since the late 90s. You know, the population has gone from, at that time, probably some 200 wolves, you know, a wintertime estimate of 200 to today where we're at like 1,000. So very much still in a recovery phase back in the late 90s, whereas today we've come full circle and we recognize the population is recovered. And, and along with that comes, you know, a ton of different considerations. You know, the, the management program for a recovering species, I think, should be different than one that is recovered. Um, you know, along with that, a ton of scientific advancements, how we monitor and estimate the population has changed, um, as well as the laws that surround it uh, with the, the Endangered Species Act, but more specifically the state law uh, and, and 
specifically the state law that requires a wolf hunt. None of those details were really uh, addressed in, in the existing management plan, um, but are addressed in the, the, the new update. So it was time. Well, let's look at the current wolf population in Wisconsin. According to the state's gray wolf monitoring report, the DNR attempts to accurately estimate the wolf population in Wisconsin through a variety of methods. Uh, we're looking at a graphic right now that shows um, maps, uh, verified observations of wolves throughout the state in its six regions and tribal lands. The black dots that viewers are seeing are mostly concentrated in far northern Wisconsin indicate those verified wolf observations. This report includes data taken from April 2022 through April 2023, estimating, like you said, the current wolf population at around 1,000 wolves, 283 packs. How, how accurate is DNR's process for monitoring and counting wolves, would you say? Yeah, it's a good question. It's something we hear you know, criticism about. Um, some folks criticize it for being too low, there's more wolves. Or, or even too high. You know, we're overestimating to support you know higher harvest targets or something like that. Um, at the end of the day, it's it's a it's a process that has a lot of different inputs, as you've talked about, the public observations, radio collar data, and, and the key one is snow tracking surveys, where every winter we have staff across the state as well as a number of different partners um, collecting track data from from the snow. Um, and so all of this goes into a model, and this model is based on scientific methods that have been used for other species in many different places. We should feel good about that part. 90% accurate, 80% accurate? It's hard to say, right? What we do have is an estimate with uh, confidence intervals around it. And so what that allows us to say is with 95% certainty, the estimate is between these two bounds, the high number and the low number, but it is most likely this number in the middle. And that number this most recent year was right about 1,000. And so, it, you know, I, I don't want to oversell it. We can't say exactly how many wolves are in the state. It's not a perfect estimate, but I think it gives us a confident estimate based on good data and science that allows us to feel good about making decisions. You have forward. said Wisconsin's wolf population is the most counted, you think, of any state in the country? I mean, we have one of the most robust monitoring programs. We have annual wintertime estimates that go back to 1980, uh, and we have plans to continue you know, monitoring and estimating the population every year going forward, and that's something that most states can't say. So yeah, we have a lot to be, I think, proud of, really. How important is an accurate wolf count to the implementation of a wolf management plan? It's, it's very important. Um, you know, it's very important from the species recovery side. Have we met those, those delisting thresholds, things like that? Um, but also from a biological side, is the population stable? Is it growing? Is it, is it shrinking? Um, and then also in the future, uh, during a, the, the development of a wolf hunt, you know, that, that estimate is what ultimately drives uh, the potential different quotas, how many wolves might be taken in a future season. So it's really important. Um, you, you've said the DNR says that you're turning the wolf management from a recovery state to uh, long-term sustainable management of the wolf population, including a commitment to responsiveness in addressing wolf-related conflicts. How? How important is that focus on managing and addressing con wolf conflict? Really important, really important. I mean, we've heard that all throughout the development of this plan and, and going back for years, that you know, humans between wolves and, and uh, you know, human interests, right? Livestock or dogs or pets or, or hunting dogs 
it, it's really important. And so in this plan, there are six primary objectives to be addressed, and one of those six is specifically addressing and reducing wolf-related conflicts. And it lays out a ton of different strategies and, and ways to do that. Um, from DNR reports posted online, there have been just over 60 confirmed or probable reports of what's called wolf predation, uh, or depredation, I'm sorry, in the state so far this year. And those reports involve, like you said, livestock, hunting dogs, pets, potential human safety concerns. Do you think the number of wolf conflicts in the state is high and concerning or low and manageable? Um, I mean, I think it kind of depends who you ask, right? If, if you're the person that's being affected, it doesn't really matter what's going on around you. You're being affected, and that's important. Um, when we look at the big picture, you know, the number of farms and the number of overlap among wolves and people in the state, you know, altogether, it's a relatively low number. But, again, it's very impactful to those that are, that are being impacted. Are wolf conflicts trending up, trending down? Right now, they're relatively stable to where they've been the last few years. Maybe a slight increase, uh, increasing trend. Um, the one exception to this year is the hunting dog conflicts. We've had uh, a, a way above average year in hunting dog conflicts, primarily bear hunting dogs in the summer and fall uh, bear hunting season. And there's a number of different things that, that might be driving that. but. At the end of the day, it's, it's a higher year than, than average. There was a lot of public comment specifically on hunting dogs and how they, how they are treated in the plan. Can you talk a little bit about how the, pay, the state pays out for hunting dogs that might be affected by wolf conflict? And that's unique to Wisconsin, is that right? Um, I'm not sure if it's unique. I think every state has different uh, compensation programs, if you will. But uh, in Wisconsin, state law requires DNR to provide financial compensation for hunting dogs that are killed or injured by wolves, with the exception of any dogs that would be used in the hunting of wolves, right? That's its own category. Um, most of our dog conflict is, again, with bear hunting in the summer and, and fall months. That's, that's the, the biggest, probably 95% of those conflicts. And so the basic process is, you know, if it happens, the hunter calls uh, USDA Wildlife Services. We have some 1-800 some hotlines reports it, it's investigated, and if it's verified as wolves, uh, then that hunter is able to submit the paperwork uh, for compensation. And, and right now state law is, is up to $2,500 uh, per dog for a verified conflict. Has there been any sign of an increase of uh, wolf conflicts involving humans or threatens to human safety? I wouldn't say so, no. I mean, we see a handful every year, you know, three or four um, that are what are deemed human health and safety. And these are primarily wolves that are spotted around a residence during daylight hours or, or maybe around a work site. Something that is a little bit uncomfortable, you know, but, but there's a, a ton of different things that go into it. Um, you know, it's not exactly uh, wolves aggressively pursuing humans or anything like that. We just don't see that. Most of these are, are wolves around occupied residences that are just uh, making folks feel a little bit uncomfortable, and, and we follow up accordingly. Because uh, wolves are on that federal endangered species list, uh, the options for dealing with wolf com uh, conflict are uh, non-lethal. Yep. Are, are, are those non-lethal, I guess they're called abatement strategies, are they working or do wolves become accustomed to them over time? I mean, both. The answer is both. They can be very effective. It's, it's all very situation-specific. Um, so non-lethal techniques can be anything from, you know, auditory, uh, you know, radios, for example, or flashing lights to actual fencing with, it's called fladrate. It has little red uh, strips. And, and so 
anytime you're introducing something novel into their environment, wolves can be, uh, you know, responsive to that and stay away. And, and in many cases, it does work. But through time, they can become conditioned to those things, and then it loses its effectiveness. So it's very much situation specific. Um, and, and, you know, these techniques are used every year in the state with some varying degree of effectiveness. Um, but again, after, you know, several years of it at a particular site, it tends to lose its effectiveness. But that will be something that in the plan will be kind of, there will be more emphasis on dealing with wolf conduct? Yeah, so within that objective of the plan, it, it talks about the compensation program, for example. Um, it also recommends, you know, the full suite of tools, the non-lethal tools, as well as the lethal tools, uh, potentially going in and removing wolves lethally through, you know, agents, uh, USDA Wildlife Services. That or can only happen under certain circumstances. Right, and they have to be delisted for that. So it recommends that full suite and applying, you know, the best tool for the situation. Mm -hmm. uh, one major criticism of the proposed plan is that it ha does not have a numeric goal mm -hmm. or quota for wolves. Um, the current, that the 1999 plan that's on the books has a quota or goal of 350 wolves. Why does the new plan not have a similar number? Yeah, no, good question. So if we go back to that 99 plan, it says the management goal is 350 wolves. And a little bit later down the plan, it defines that as the level at which proactive depredation controls could be used and public harvest would be considered. And so, you know, through the years, that 350 number has been interpreted many different ways, including it should be 350 and no more. Um, be that as it may. Um, is that under, is that your understanding, that it was at 350 wolves? Uh, the way the plan reads, it says that's something to be achieved, and then at that level, we'll consider harvest and, and you know, dealing with conflicts more proactively. So, no, I don't think it was ever intended to be a cap. And I've talked to the authors, I've talked to the folks in the room, and, and that's their general, you know, understanding as well. But again, it's been interpreted different ways. The fact is, we are where we are today with a recovered population that, uh, you know, we'd like to see uh, some management. And, you know, uh, a numeric goal is ultimately, you know, intended to be, this is the point at which the biological concerns are balanced with the social concerns. And the problem with picking one specific number is, you know, first of all, who picks that number? What is that number? And, and is it even effective? And I think the answer is it's not the most effective way to balance these two things out. So instead, what we've proposed is called adaptive management, where we look at conditions, biological and social conditions in all these different zones, um, and basically try to manage the population in each of those zones accordingly to try to find that balance. That balance is always a moving target. And that's one of the, the main struggles with picking a single number, is it's, it's, it's just not flexible. Was that 350 number right at the time in that 1999 plan? I mean, that's ultimately a judgment call, right? Is it right or wrong? Um, it was based upon the current understanding of biological carrying capacity in the state for wolves of five to 800 wolves and trying to balance that out with the social side of it, of more wolves or less wolves and they ended up with 350. Um, you know, it was effective in, in facilitating recovery. Uh, we, you know, passed that mark in the early 2000s, and they did work on an updated version of the plan back in 2006, I think, seven. Um, but, you know, the more recent challenges have been, 
wolves being on the federal endangered species list and then off again and back on again and this, this pattern that continues to play out. It was brought up in legislative testimony uh, around a Senate bill that would have required the DNR to put a numeric cap or quota in the plan that other larger western states with fewer people like Wyoming and Montana do have a numeric goal. I think it's set at 100. Are those states not using the same tools or science as Wisconsin? That's a good question. So a lot of those plans in the western states are from 20 years ago. And I think there's maybe an exception with uh, one of the states has a more recent plan. Um, but I think the considerations are different out there. A lot of those older plans, including ours, were focused on recovering wolves. And so they set specific thresholds. These are, these are things to be achieved. Um, and once they're achieved, you know, then what's the next step look like, right? If we look at our neighbors, Minnesota and Michigan, both with uh, robust wolf populations, they also both just updated their wolf management plans and neither have, you know, a specific goal or number in them. So, um, you know, I think what we're doing here is very consistent with, with our neighboring states. Let's look at kind of these, these ranges that you talked about. Instead of a hard population cap or quota, the plan includes a chart yep. um, for the wolf population, including guidance on actions the state may take within specific ranges. Um, the chart uh, shows that if the state's wolf count is below 799, wildlife management policy would be to try to grow the population between 800 and 999 wolves. The population's considered stable, but could also grow 1,000 to 1,199 wolves would be stable, but trending toward decline and then over 1,200 wolves, the goal would be to reduce the population. Uh, that chart was not originally in the plan. It was added to the plan. I know you've said that the intent of the chart was to increase transparency. There have since been lots of questions about the chart. Um, it's been called ambiguous. It's been, uh, there's been um, concern that it allows too much subjectivity for interpretation by the department. How do you respond to those sorts of criticisms yeah, about that good chart? Question. So, you know, going back to a numeric goal, one of the benefits of a numeric goal is it gives you a clear target, if you will. This is what we're managing towards. And in the first version of the plan, a lot of the public feedback was exactly as you said. Without a goal, what are we managing to? Is it, you know, what should we expect? More wolves, less wolves, what have you. So this chart is ultimately trying to address those, those concerns. We don't expect 5,000 wolves or two, you know, any, any numbers like that. Um, so instead, this chart lays out these different uh, categories, if you will. And what it's ultimately saying is, you know, here's the range of expected uh, biological carrying capacity. The science suggests 12 to 1,300 wolves is probably the top end. And, you know, if you cut that in half, you're down to that 650. And at that point, we certainly would want to grow it. Uh, but really, anywhere in between that, that 800 to 1200 range, we're pretty comfortable in that space. That's, you know, what is that, 60 to 90% biological carrying capacity. Within that space, we might be looking for growth, stability, or decline at the statewide level, just depending on the conditions in each of these zones. So this is statewide guidance, but it's important to recognize that uh, we could be looking for growth in one area of the state and decline in another area of the state depending on things like conflict levels or how the population's doing. Um, so it's, you know, there's a lot of nuance that goes into managing the population and all of these, these objectives, if you will, and that table tries to capture kind of a high picture level look at, at what that guidance suggests. So again, it's trying to address that transparency or that expectation 
that we're not looking for, you know, we're not looking to double the wolf population, and we're also not looking to cut it in half. Somewhere kind of in, in the, the, the general range where the population's been for the last five to 10 years is where we're looking to stay and then manage it within that space based on all these other factors. If the federal government delists wolves, which many think is on the horizon, mm -hmm. there, there could be another wolf hunt in the state. And critics of the plan say setting a numerical uh, harvest quota goal is, is impossible with the way that the chart is constructed. H how does that chart inform a potential future harvest quota? Sure. So again, it's, it's overall statewide guidance. We would look at where the population is at our most recent estimate, see where that is on the chart, and it would start to give us that, that initial guidance, if you will. So if we're up above that 1,200, yeah, we're probably going to be looked to have a little bit higher quotas and try to bring the population at the statewide level back down a little bit. Alternatively, if we're in that 650, probably lower quotas and, and try to bring it up. And who sets the number? DNR sets the number then? It's a process. It would start with our Wolf Advisory Committee, which includes stakeholder groups and tribal representation. They would come out with some recommendations that come to the department to be considered and move forward ultimately to the Natural Resources Board. And there's a step in there too for, for uh, consulting with the tribes as well. So it's a long process and to get to those. And there would be public comment Absolutely. throughout that process. Yeah. But one thing I want to point out is, is the criticism that it's impossible to use uh, this plan or this chart to set quotas, and I, I just don't think that's fair. If we look at other species in the state that have management plans or don't have management plans, the process we're outlining for wolves is very similar. The bears in the state is a great example. We have a bear management plan that does not have a numeric goal, numeric targets. It has this adaptive management process, and we've been using that successfully for a number of years now, uh, and it's been well-received. So we're, we're taking something that, that has been proven to be effective and applying it towards wolves. Why do you think people look at wolves so differently then? Why, why this disagreement? That's a good question. And we have an entire section of the plan, section two, talking about the human dimension side of wolves. There's so many factors that go into the emotions that surround wolves, the way people view them, the way they think about them. Uh, and the impacts that they have, both you know biologically positive, but also you know negatively affecting people and, and their livelihoods, and so it's it's just a really charged uh, species, if you will, it's or different management. Than how people think about bears and it's, others. It's just elevated. A lot of the concerns are the same, but it's an elevated. It's a little more charged. Mm -hmm. um, the plan makes changes to how a potential wolf hunt would be conducted. It shortens the window for registering a wolf kill what, from the current 24 hours to eight hours. Yep. It features those zone-specific licenses. Why were those particular changes needed? Sure, good question. Yeah, so those changes, most of the changes on the season itself are focused on better implementation of a season. Better Im implementation from the perspective of making sure we can accurately hit whatever our harvest targets are but also better implementation for those that want to participate in the season, right? What we've seen in the last, we've had four seasons in this state, and each of the seasons uh, have gone faster, if you will. The, the targets have been reached and the zones closed faster and faster, literally in a matter of days. And for those with a wolf harvest license that want that opportunity, that's not a very good season to have three days to pursue, right? So. Some of these changes we're recommending are going to, I think, address it both from the perspective of the participant, but also making sure the state is able to hit those quotas uh, accurately. Uh, you, you probably already answered this question, but there was a lot of public comment on the last mm -hmm. wolf hunt in 2021 and concern that the DNR set that quota at 119 and within just four days hunters 
killed double that number of mm -hmm. wolves. So are you saying that the way the, wolf, the changes to the current wolf plan will ensure that that never happens again? Uh, it's going to be uh, steps in the right direction for sure. And, and what I want to point out too is the three previous seasons, 2012, 13, and 14, which were conducted under the same rules essentially that are in place now, were effective. They were effective at hitting their harvest targets. The difference with that 2021 season is that it took place in the late winter, it took place with a very short development time. There's a number of things, the snow conditions, the number of licenses that were made available that all contributed to the outcome of that season. That was, was a mistake? Taking more than the state quota. Um, I don't know about a mistake is the right word, but it's something that I don't think we want to see the state in again, right? And so we're making these changes that are going to address some of those concerns. But again, that's on top of the rules, which were effective under a, I'll say, quote unquote, normal fall wolf season for three years. That February season came about differently, and it, and it, you know, the outcome was was obviously something. Like I said, we don't want to be at again. Um, if there's agreement on anything, it seems like. Um, a lot of people who maybe don't agree on the plan would like the state to have returned to have control over its wolf population, um, and that requires the federal delisting. What's what's the potential timeline on federal delisting? Sure. Yeah. I mean, good question, right? That's something that's been ongoing for for 20 plus years with periods of listing and delisting, et cetera. We're currently in a period where they're on the federal endangered species list. Um, there's a few different processes in play right now. There's two legislative actions, one from uh, uh, Senator... Sen Representative Tiffany. Tiffany and Baldwin. Yep, they each have a different bill uh, in motion that could result in delisting here. Uh, and then the third is the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is appealing and continues that process, uh, appealing the relisting decision from last year. And so the timeline there is, is the most, it's, uh, the most uh, hard, I guess, hard timeline of some action expected by February of 2024. So just in the next few months, we expect from the Fish and Wildlife Service some proposed uh, federal rule. Could be listing or, or maintaining a listing status, delisting, or it could be downlisting from endangered to threatened status. Um, so it's hard to predict the future, but that's, that's the most concrete uh, action that's underway Something right now. Something could be happening within the next year. Yep. On, yep. federal, on the federal side. Um, in, in addition to all the data on wolves, and the planning process in the wolf management plan also included a survey to the public. I know there was like mm -hmm. 9,000 households received a survey summer of 2022, and one of the questions was around public opinion, public trust mm -hmm. of the department. And when you looked at the, the results, uh, a lot of people living near wolves um, in those northern counties generally had much were much less likely to trust the department and their wolf management process. How are those concerns being handled? Yeah, yeah, it's important to measure those things, right? And we heard that through a lot of the public input. Uh, lack of trust in the, the, the wolf population numbers, which we already talked about, as well as, you know, just a general frustration with them being listed and being unable to, quote unquote, manage the population or have a hunt. And so I think ultimately a big thing that this plan does is it puts the state in a good position should delisting come to say, you know, here's, here's what we expect. The expectations are we're going to manage this population through these methods. We're going to have a hunt. Uh, the hunt is supported in the plan. You know, it talks about it as an important part of a, of a uh, whole, uh, you know, an, an adaptive, a holistic, yes, thank you, holistic and adaptive management process. It's really important. And so... If 
wolves are delisted, I think this plan puts us in a good position to keep them that way. It can't guarantee it, um, but I think it's really important to show you know, what the state's expectations and commitments are. And so that can then help address many of the concerns with conflict or the lack of a season or et cetera, et cetera, that ultimately drives some of those criticisms and lack of trust uh, from, from some of those folks. So next week's Natural Resources Board meeting, a variety of different outcomes. They could approve the plan. They could yep. not approve. They can amend the plan. Are those, all, are those the three potential outcomes? Correct. They could approve it as it is. They could table it. They could uh, reject it. Or they could you know, offer different amendments. All that stuff ultimately has to be voted through the Natural Resources Board. So, um, you know, that said, we've been doing briefings with board members, trying to make them, you know, comfortable. They're certainly hearing a lot of feedback from, from the folks that they represent, and they want to make sure they're well-informed to answer those questions as well. So, um, yeah, looking forward to the meeting next week. <laughs> um, do you, if you could predict, um, do you predict in the next two to three years federal delisting and potentially another annual wolf hunt in Wisconsin? I can't predict delisting. I, I just can't. You know, if history has taught us anything is that it's fairly unpredictable. But what I can say with certainty is if and when they're delisted, that state law is there saying we will have a hunt. And it will begin in November and it will end in February, you know, unless the, the quotas are met. So I think that's, again, one of the really important things of this plan is to have a plan in place uh, if and when that should come, uh, including these changes to the hunting season uh, to make sure that any future season is, is better implemented than, than the last one. All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll be watching the Natural Resources Board meeting next week. Thank you. All right. And thank you to the viewers of Newsmakers. Be sure to tune in again as we highlight the issues and sit down with the decision makers who make a difference for all of us. You have been watching a production of Wisconsin Eye, your unfiltered window into legislative deliberations and public policy programming, where our mission is to provide Wisconsinites an opportunity to access the legislative process and connect with conversations that inform our citizenry. Please consider supporting our mission, and thank you for watching. Wisconsin Eye, policy made public.